This is the House of Boom podcast. I'm your host, Eric Boom Salvary. This is the most diverse podcast you'll see. I today have one of the most world-renowned chefs out of New Jersey. Basically, well, he's from New Jersey, I believe. Um, Chef Mark. It's not all that. Well, we're down. It's, it's not how it goes. Oh, right. How it's, does it's it go? It's a few things. It's a few things. You know, we <clears throat> we cook well and, and and we we make we make good stuff happen. That's it. Okay. You know I mean? And I, I don't know. It's simple that and repeat. You know. So. Well, I mean, you do have a amazing restaurant, Burgerly, um, based out of New Hope, New Jersey, New New Hope, Pennsylvania. Uh, the burglary is is a vibe. It's it's rocking. Oh no! It's, I've I've driven there for a while. Uh, you do some meal prep services. You you just flew in from Qatar, so I, I, I say yeah. well renowned. Um, you may not. You know you can keep it humble. Um, how was that? I mean, you know, we, we did a royal wedding. A royal yeah. wedding um, for you don't have to name names. The, the the princess of of Qatar, I guess she would be. You okay. Know, we, um, I mean, we we killed it. It was a. It wasn't my gig. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It was a. It was another catering company's. However, you know, the opportunity to be there and be a part of this was absolutely crazy. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of going to the Middle East, to this um, GCC country, and and cooking in the palace and stuff like that. I was the palace. Yeah. Did you feel like like you were in like Aladdin? Like in reality, what are we talking about? Well, the market made me feel like Aladdin. The palace. They took my my passport. And my phone. So when I went, I, I literally was nobody. Yeah. But you know, I was getting a stick. Wait, wait. They took your phone. What? They took the phone and the passport, bro. Like, so I just went in there as the black dude that can cut and cook. That's all. Wow. So yeah. was it like security? Is it like uh, following you around? Anything? Had it down. A metal detector in and out. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Wow. It was bananas. Like at some point, it was seven hundred people, six courses, ten appetizers five past appetizers, desserts, two plated desserts, like 6,000 plates. It was crazy. How much of that portion of the 6,000 were you responsible for? I mean, all the savory stuff, you know, I, I mean, we had a team. It was like 14 or 15 of us in savory, probably seven or eight in dessert. And then like we combined with more from the hotel we were working with. Mm-hmm. And it, it was nuts. I mean, we got it done, but it was, it was literally a, it was a TV show, a reality show of getting this project done to cook this royal wedding and none of it's documented how long were you out there for about um 19 days maybe maybe 18 you know between yeah. cooking and you know covid quarantining and a couple of little bit of also rice. most of the most of the the time was spent just quarantining in the other half no, 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 okay no. okay cooked, break that down no we, we cooked we started cooking two weeks ahead for this wedding meaning that if we cook something we would like freeze it like purees or anything that's sustainable that we could still okay. bring alive later. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we got into like the last week of the proteins and stuff like that. Then we packed it all up and refrigerated in freezer trucks and we brought it into the palace mm-hmm. where we got like searched and, searched and, uh, and frisked and like had to give up my personal belongings. Mm. And then we went into this tent and we finished cooking mm-hmm. the project because the wedding was a traditional Muslim wedding, mm-hmm. all woman. So mm-hmm. we couldn't see anything. It was like a movie set. Mm. All you do was just hear music and people laughing, and it was bananas. Wow, it was bananas. It was bananas. What um, what was your favorite part of that trip? I mean, another country, another culture, just literally let you know how small, like your your knowledge of what you know is. Mm-hmm. You go somewhere else, you see 
first of all, <clears throat> being in the desert, mm -hmm. like the sun rising, 92, 96 degrees, mm -hmm. dry heat, no rain whatsoever, and then seeing other people's way of life, you're in a, <clears throat> a city that has no crime, no litter, you know, it's literally like a, a, a spaceship movie, mm. you know, all the lights, are, all the, the posts are illuminate purple and the street lights have different things going on and it's bananas, you know what I mean, like okay. that was the best part, the culture, <clears throat> the people, a different way of life, all that matters a lot. So when you can see those things, you can't take it for granted. What, <clears throat> now you've been cooking for how long? I mean, just, I mean, really chefing it up, like. Professional, this is 12 years now, I think uh, 11 or 12 years, but I cooked all my life. Yeah, you know, so in the 12 years, obviously this is a new experience, I'm going over there. Did you actually learn anything? Like, as, sure. far, as far as like kitchen, cooking, all that stuff? Well, don't get it twisted. Anytime I can go cook or do something to learn, uh -huh. I do it because I, as far as artistry goes, creativity, you mm -hmm. never, you're always filling your head, filling your head and coming out with things at your own. Mm -hmm. I don't get a chance to do it anymore. I used to just show up to, let's be internship or something like that and just cook, bang it out, you know what I mean? Mm. Can't do it anymore, so did I learn? For sure. Mm. If it was a technique, if it was a, a process, if it was solving a problem, mm. all that's in the pocket now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I never catered a wedding for 700, now I have. Now I have all those processes down. Mm -hmm. I learned a ton. And the good part about it is that I would do that until I do that for free. No. It's invaluable. Is there something that you you said you learned something? Is it something that's that from there from the cooking that now we can expect here to be added to what you you don't have to say exactly what it is, but the the boy could cook. I mean the boy the boy and his team, however you want to put it, they they put together some good stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. I mean, let's just say that like every now and then maybe one of my cuts were off. You uh -huh. know? Maybe a pepper was too big. Should have been it was that big and it should have been that big. Okay. Those little distinct things you might not notice, they matter to me now. And I I never had to be that distinct or had to have to for my business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're cutting a butternut squash, sous vide, that's got to be burned wide for a certain way for this many people. Every cut's pristine. Pristine? So pristine, like to a T. Okay. To okay. A it's like that hat, it's pristine. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like this brand, it's pristine. What, um... We're gonna move on. We're gonna change the subject a little bit. Um, we, uh, we we come back to America. People getting slapped all over there. Do you got any slapping uh, sauces that uh, we can talk about? <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, but um, I wanted to talk about uh, being a black chef um, in a in a. I don't know if it's a it's a, a white dominated space, but is it a white dominated space? Is it is it a space that's dominated by others how do you see your image and your importance to the culture when it comes to being a black chef a, a man in the kitchen um and all that good stuff that's interesting to to talk about because there's different levels of it um, okay are there black chefs continuously and 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 lots of them however to really get into it you got to define what it means to be a chef. It, lots of people these days cook and say, oh, I'm chef and I'm chef so-and-so mm -hmm. and I'm chef uh, Brooklyn and I'm chef Broad Street and, and you know, and I'm chef uh, uh, Dykeman Avenue and I'm chef Broadway Act. Like, you know, <clears throat> doesn't work that way. To be able to cook doesn't make you a chef. Uh, literally, somebody that creates, that takes um, a design, that takes a, a flavor profile, that understands food in that way to break it down, <clears throat> that's somebody that can start to deem themselves a chef. Um, are there many black chefs in that realm that can do 
uh, the things that I can do or that other chefs that are on my level can do? Mm. No, not at all. For example, even when I went, took this trip, um, there were probably X amount of, say, people, X amount. There was one of me, mm. right? Just one. There's more women than there were me, mm. right? And there were no black women. So that'll answer your question because everybody I worked with, they were top level. Like, they, they knew their shit. Mm-hmm. No, it's all right. <laughs> so they, you know, because they knew their shit, like, you had to either get on that level or understand what you were doing and you can adapt because mm-hmm. you just got skin in the game. So as somebody in this field, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to use that to my, to my advantage. Uh, for example, there is a, a large black community that wants great food, but they want it in a distinct way. And they also want to know that they're getting it from somebody who understands, I don't know, my mama's from Alabama, my mm. dad's from North. Like, I, I have things that are, that are put inside me that will never go away. I can use that in my cooking. I'm going to cut it in there. Your mom's from Alabama and your dad's from North. That, that southern part, do you think that sometimes you can be pigeonholed into a space um, as being a, a, an African-American or a black chef where people say, oh, he's black, so he, he must just do soul food or something like that? Do you find that any stereotypes in that, in that space? Let me tell you, I love that. I, I don't think there's a stereotype because I don't yell it from the mountaintops. My mom's from Alabama, though she is, right? right. What I do more so is understand how I how I ate growing up. She mm. bought a lot of Southern, she grew up on a farm, mm. you know, so I took the great things, everything uh, made from scratch. The fact that she ironed our, our underwear and our sheets, you know, but like she would not just have store-bought cookies. Mm. However, I also break from the stigma of saying, do I have to make the best fried chicken? Do I have to make the best Southern food? I don't, I had the best growing up. Mm. What I need to do is show our people who I'm, who I'm hired to cook for, mm. maybe that there is a different way. Maybe I can combine, maybe I do a fusion. Mm. You know, I can do different things that tie that level in to another level, maybe the French background, maybe some form of Italian cooking, mm. and see what the mishmash is in between. Mm. Out of that pot comes my greatness, mm-hmm. you know? So it's literally absorbing and using that the best way I can. If I didn't do that, if I didn't use what was ingrained in me mm. from my parents, then I would be doubting myself. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be using the, the best parts of what I was instilled with to create a product. Okay. I, I, there's a term that... You, um a quick story. I, I I can cook a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm responsible for the Thanksgiving turkey, all that good stuff. You know, big responsibility. But, but um, remember being at a certain age, and um, I forget what, what you call it when your parents kind of worked, but you kind of were able to watch yourself. What's that? What's that term called? Um, um, your brothers are there to whoop your ass? No, 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 no. Like you could kind of, you know, my mom worked and this, but at a certain age, you kind of didn't need a babysitter. You watched yourself. Sufficient. Latchkey kid. And so, um, what I would say is, um, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, first thing I did, first thing I ever cooked was like, I, I love burgers and fries. And so, I remember uh, first time I tried to make some French fries as I was a kid and. I'm in there. I used the wrong oil. <laughs> so, you know, I cut the potato, did everything, you know, and then I used olive oil yeah. instead of a uh, thing. I turned, it, I, I turned it on and the fire went from the pan to the roof. And I'm I burnt. Sorry. It's like a little bit, a little bit of a uh, 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 burnt thing well, on the ceiling. Sure, yeah. And uh, I learned quickly that's not the right oil. I'm bringing out all that up. When did you start? Like when did when did it really start for you that this is something that you wanted to do, um, either just as a hobby and then it kind of matured into something you went to school for and, and X Y Z. But when did that really start for you? All right, so 
First of all, great point. Yeah. Olive oil, smoking point is too low. 330 degrees. You can't fry at that. Right? Yeah. Get vegetable or canola oil. It's really simple to do. Yeah. Second, <laughs> um, for me, I, I cooked so early on that as a youngest child of four brothers, mm -hmm. I remember that I would like go downstairs and like find a way to make myself breakfast, no matter what it was. It could have been, mm. it could have been cereal toast, grits, whatever have you. Set my own little table and everything. Mm. And my brothers would come down like roughy. It's like, yo, what you got going on down here, man? We got, we got food right here. They start <laughs> roughing me up. I'm like, guys, leave me oh, alone. So you got you bullied into being a yeah, chef. What, man? But I was also the hungriest. So, uh -huh. you know, it was, my, it was four. Mom was feeding four of us. Right. So I was the hungriest. So I would go watch her cook. Mm. And then I would start claiming something. Like, yo, that's my my pork chop right there. I put my put an M on it. You right. I mean, this is a true story. You know. Wait, wait, you put you put your name <laughs> on, the, on the biggest pork chop. My dad, some? my dad, my, my mama. That's your dad's pork chop. I'm like, wow, I helped make it. You know what I mean? These are shake and bake, by the way, too. You bold, cause the dad get the big piece of Bruh, meat. I was hungry. Okay. All right. So I'm hanging out with my mom in the kitchen. I'm just absorbing information. Mm -hmm. Even better than that, the youngest son, my four brothers are busy being older brothers, she would take me to the uh, supermarket with her. Every mm. Friday, I can't remember when it was, Friday or Thursday night, we would go to the supermarket. Mm. I would literally memorize the aisles and shop with her because she had all coupons organized. I'm like, mom, you got coming down to be now, coming down so-and-so, right? Mm. So it, the, the main parts of cooking are sourcing ingredients mm. and then actually doing the process of cooking. I, I learned those so early on. At a time, my parents said, y'all need to distribute chores. Like, so if you're going to set the table, you're going to do so-and-so, you guys got to try cooking once a night, mm. right? I was cooking dinner by like, I don't know, like nine to 10 years. Mm. And by the time I got like the go for the family, I was, you know, probably eighth, ninth grade, I was cooking full dinners for the family and my mom was confident with it. You know what I mean? So Almost, she would just let you rock, like, all right, Mark got it. The ingredients good. were there, you know, I knew what she made. Every mother has at least seven to like nine staple dishes she makes. I'm mm. talking about like mother's my mother age, somewhere around 67 or something like that. Mm. So like her dishes, she knew was there. So she was confident about leaving me mm. to watch her dishes because she had to feed basically a small army. That's how we ate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Four, so Four boys plus your dad? Bro, bad. Okay. And a dog. You know and a dog. We, okay. Everything. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was war. Mm. There. So... I watched what she did. She was comfortable leaving me. Mm. It all culminated to when I can drive, and she was like, hey, can you make dinner tonight? Mm. And I'm like, what you want to make? And she's mm. like, I don't know. Go to the store and buy it. Mm. You know what I mean? Take some money and do what you got to do. Right. So therefore, she literally instilled for me to get that done, taking that job off her, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was making stuff when I came home from school, making, and then I'd be at school and I'd be, I'd be like, when I went to college, I had Sunday dinner for my friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So all just build up, culminate, culminate, culminate mm -hmm. to the point where I knew how to make all these things. I just didn't know the, the correct techniques per mm -hmm. se, you know? Okay. So, you know, to answer your question, it, it was really a for me and I was happy to do it and like, imagine what it put into me. Yeah. And yeah. you went to what school? Um, did you go to cooking school or did you go to traditional college no, no, first? No, 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 I went to, uh, I didn't go to culinary school at all. I went to UVA and NYU. Um, okay. Finished NYU, uh, worked on Wall Street for seven years, and okay. then decided to take up cooking full time. Got a CIA textbook, Culinary Institute of America, matched what I knew I'd do in there, and um, literally off to the races. Wow. You know, so wow. That, that's. That's a, and now and now we're here. It's life as is. Okay, um, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. When you're in the kitchen, um, that's a long process. It's not, especially when you're cooking for others. It's different, when you cook for yourself and all, all that other stuff. So, 
you know, this podcast is one of the things that this podcast is based around is fitness. So how do you find the time? Because I notice anybody I know who's a chef, they're in the kitchen like hours, hours, hours and hours. Like, you know what I mean? How do you find the time to stay in shape um, and still cook? Because we talked a little bit off screen about boxing a little bit. But talk about that balance because you don't want to be in the kitchen so much that you're killing yourself to make everybody happy. And it's like. <laughs> I mean, it's a decision, you know, it's a decision to, to, to own what you're going to, how you're going to feel, how you're going to look. Um, unfortunately, I, this is, might be oxymoron, I don't, I hate working out, right? Okay. I was a college athlete, high school athlete, I was All-American, et cetera, et cetera, right? All-American in what? Wrestling. Okay. Right? So, you know, I was made to work out, but like when you're stuck, you're stuck. Right. Also, I know my like my perception. So I, I one time I had like five professional athletes, whole starting five. Okay. Um, I'm starting a bit on the on my roster, and the fact that I'm feeding them, they were confident in me because I knew how to eat from wrestling in college. Okay. Right. Or for coaching after that. So, uh, you know, what I do now is I don't work as much as I should. You know, I might get three times in a week, mm -hmm. lucky and get four. You know, get a little go hard four times a week, knock that bag out, get that frustration out. You know what it is. Right. A couple of days I might just stretch, right? Right. But I made the decision that I, I have to, I have to decide how I'm going to, going to figure out my life for that, right? Okay. Second thing, also, I know how to eat, right? And I cook the way I know how to eat, and I also sell my pot. So let's cut in right there. Give us something that, give us something basic that you say I know how to eat. Well, most people don't know. Like, how do you eat? Well, for when I had my athletes, all they would do is they would research different diets so that they could get a th another three years out of their contract. Yo, I need to, I need to play another few years, whatever have you, right? So I was doing a keto diet like 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Before anybody said a K for keto, before anybody was thinking about protein and veg, okay. right? But I had done that for wrestling before that. So mm -hmm. the modification was figuring out for them and then just making great vegetables. Okay. So at some point, I was selling what I ate. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I was eating what I sold and selling what I ate. So, you know, I said, this is a keto diet. Let me tell you how it works out. I would have seven or eight vegetables that they could eat a week and a proteins, all healthy, either grilled, sauteed, whatever have you, mm -hmm. and cutting out starches, white starches, whatever have you. Mm -hmm. Did that same thing. Do I do it as hard now? No. Can you break down white starches? Because those can be confusing. Completely. Completely. So you have white rice, white potatoes, mm -hmm. anything that is uh, basically by vision white or white flour. Okay. Right? The body retains on that too much. I mean, you can literally feel it. Put it in your hands. You don't like the way it feels. The body's going to make that stick. And you shouldn't need it. Not as much. Or you should consume it in very low amounts. However, the body loves those things. The mouth loves those things. It makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Imagine you're out. You get some, um, I don't know. You could go anywhere with this. You get some mashed potatoes. It right. goes with your steak. You with your leg. I ain't going to lie, bro. Because you, know I mean? you, like, you, you, you used to mess me up with the mashed potatoes. I tried not to give them to you, though, we're, man. We're talking you know, we're, we're talk about it, But it's just it's like, okay, <laughs> pandemic. My brother, he, he, he transitioned over. He started I hit you with a little bit, man. We need a little feel. You need a little feel good in that place. And, and he had he had these mashed potatoes, and they were so freaking fluffy. Yeah, and just whip, man. Whip. And what happened was we was, you know, I hustle. So, you know, I do Uber. And one day he hit me up. We just ran into each other. He I, he ordered an Uber to make a delivery. He opened the car and said, yo, what's up? My name is Mark. And I'm like, Mark, it's, it's me. Whatever. So we, we worked it out that I would do some deliveries, you know, for him, whatever. And he would hook me up with a meal. And the meal, you know, have your basic, your protein, your veggies. And then he would have these damn mashed potatoes, bro. Yeah. And 
I, I could really just go there and just eat the mashed potatoes and be good. Like, you I just had a push good day. because they stick to the fork. <laughs> I mean, they... George is hitting. But go ahead. Get back to your point, man. Yeah, man. Like, it's it's exactly what I was saying, that white starches, when you cut them out, basically your body will defri- derive uh, the sugar and the starch from somewhere else. And then mm-hmm. literally start to take one from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, keto diet. is like, And it basically goes into ketosis. Okay. Anyway, so I was cooking that a long time ago. I was eating it also. I don't do it now, but I just regard you know what what I'm doing or how is it going. Like I need to I need to do a cut pretty soon, man. I gotta drop like 15. I don't know. The cameras probably make it look a certain way. You care, or you don't. Yeah. I care too much. All right. Well, you know what you know, mean? we are gonna get much. a workout in, so we'll we'll help him get that cut. But go ahead. Um, so you know, I mean, but you substitute that with other good things: quinoa, grains that are. Um, whole and colorful or darker. Those are better are for Quinoa is Wild cool, rice. but I get tired of that. I'm like, Ugh. Of course you do, because it's too popular now, but you got to find other ways to remix it. Okay. Or you got to throw in some farro. You got to throw in some um, some uh, buckwheat. You, like, there's so many different grains that can fulfill that, that need for starch. If you want to go hardcore, cut the starch out hard as can be. Yeah. But, yo, you will you will drop pounds and shred, mm-hmm. and you'll find your life in, in protein and veg. I'm telling you. So, okay, let's, let's sweet sweet potato. Let's let's say uh, uh, a white potato and a and a, and a, a sweet potato. What, what's the, what's the biggest difference? Because is it is is it? So, uh, not to break down all the the yeah, complex maybe. and and yeah. you know the the cell rhythms and whatever I could say. Yeah. Sweet potatoes are healthier no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Um, easy to do a roasted baked sweet potato and get some of that love. Uh-huh. I mean, for me, this there's also a thing because there are purple potatoes, there are other potatoes that don't just really have white starch. They have okay. a different type of starch. The sugars might be less. There are different benefits to it. Okay. Always remember though, potato, zero calories, I think, no, no, not zero calories. It's zero fat and zero something else until you fry it and salt it, make either potato chips or french fries. Mm. And it is the most unhealthiest thing in the world. All right? Okay. How we treat these things what if I What if I take the potato and I say, all right, I'm just going to put it in the air fryer. Is it, does, it, does it count the same? I just don't think the, car, the, the carbs from that starch are necessary. Okay. Now, get you a purple or Japanese yam, uh-huh. dice that, cut it in the wedges, put it in the air fryer, complete different beast. And it's healthier for you. Okay. You know, it's literally getting away from white. I don't know if that sounds bad. Yeah. Like, you know, the rice. Uh, even though at some points, a couple of my guys be eating jasmine rice, something like that. But, like, getting away from the the simple white starches that break down to other things in your body, mm-hmm. that doesn't work out well. Gotcha. You know, transfer that with something else. Gotcha. I don't always follow the rules. I don't do a good job. Mm-hmm. I want a burger joint. Mm-hmm. And we got brioche rolls at the burglary. All right? Buttery mm-hmm. soft. You toast them. Right back, hold the beef and everything. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, what can I say? I've been to Burgundy. I was, you know, I started the year off with a fast, and when I broke my fast, I went to, I drove all the way to Burgundy, and I was like, yo. And then Mark was like, yo, you good? He's like, yo, this, this here, here's one for the, here's one for the road, bro. How we, how we <laughs> I, do? I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm gonna eat this tomorrow. I'm gonna eat. I'm like, nah, this joint ain't even like, it lasted like. Noah's I order. <laughs> Noah's order. All right? Yo, I mean, there's no cheese. Double it up. And my appetite is not, the crazy thing is my appetite is not that big. And I think I, I had two burgers and a chicken sandwich, and they all disappeared within. I think I still, the, the, the last one stretched out, but it, it, it didn't last 24 hours. It was also delicious. I was, just, I was like, this is a way to break a fast. We're going to do it like that. Um, but, uh, 
I, I mean, hey, uh, Burgundy, you know, y'all definitely got to check it out at some point in time. You really need to bring one somewhere in New Jersey to make life easier. Did it stop? No. Okay. Yeah, I really need to just uh, bring one to Jersey to just make life easier for, for us. But I'm working we'll, we'll on it, man. We got we'll a couple wait. spots. I'm working we'll on it. We'll see. Now, you talked about um, some, are there any new ventures that you have com- coming up that maybe we could be aware of or anything that's coming up that, you know? Oh, man. We're just staying busy. Uh, you know, catering kind of took a hit with the pandemic and everything. Keeping that afloat. You know, I was doing all sorts of stuff. You know that because mm. you were helping me out. So now I'm just working on a couple of different ventures. Um, trying to work the best way to get our product to you if you need some sort of party, big or small. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eloquence can be with wonderful food, great service, great people, great drinks. We cover it. We do it all. Um, we turn any place, any environment to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's our thing. Um, with, with, with banners and colors, we make it happen. Um, at the same time, you got the burglary. Uh Working on more, more catering, more cafeterias is trying to do my best to say that like the food we have has to be out there and seen and mm-hmm. grow those responsibilities and those opportunities to get to people. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, you proclaim to be a Giants fan. So how you, how are you feeling about the coaching hires? Um, how are you feeling about um, what the Giants have done this offseason with free agency and uh, we'll start with those two. Well, this is how you feel. First of all, as a Giants fan, uh-huh. and two, I mean, you can say a fan, but like when a team makes something that seems for the best, mm-hmm. when they've been doing bad, mm-hmm. you immediately just golf clap. You immediately just give it up. Oh, you know what? That's going to be a good move. We're going to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. I thought Judge, I thought Judge had legs. I thought that, you know, he was going to bring in a nice mindset. I thought that the team was going to respond to him. Okay. Um, but this is the complexities of the league. Mm-hmm. For example, you can have this ridiculous, ridiculous quarterback in college. Mm-hmm. He gets to the NFL. Oh, he's gonna do. Oh, he's gonna do that. What happens? Bust. Right. Right. That's ninety-three percent, I think, of the quarterbacks. Don't quote me on that number. Right. So, so I have an interesting theory about Daniel Jones. Um, I, I don't care. I'm a Cowboys fan. You can say whatever you want. Um, uh Everybody, when he came into the league, everybody was like, oh, he's the next Eli Manning, Eli Manning. As much as I'm a Cowboys fan, I would say that I feel like Eli Manning was an average athlete with an elite clutch gene. I feel like you guys inherited the second coming of Tony Romo because some of the goofy stuff that he does as a quarterback is has Tony Romo written all over it. And I'm just like, and this is what I'll say, Tony Romo was an elite athlete with a uh, uh, less than average clutch gene. So he's got this he's got this funky style yeah. and it's weird athleticism that does that they grant him yeah. the capability to do these things. Now, yeah. that doesn't make me and I support them. Yeah. At all. Okay. Right? He's out there sometimes just but like imagine the amount of quarterbacks that literally make it happen. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when it's done in black, it looks way better. It's with swag. No. Right? So you know what I mean? Right. Like who who was on our Cardinals last year? So I can beat her nowhere. Kyle uh Murray? Yeah. Bro, some of those plays he makes, let's be real about um about uh from Seahawks also. That's on Broncos now. Um Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Like when he does these things, it's not a big deal because you're like, oh look at that. Look. When Daniel Jones does it, you're like, oh look at the white boy run. Mm-hmm. Right? Um he He's athletic in that way, but he's also tall. He, I mean, and he can throw the ball. So it, it's it's a little weird. Once again, though, I don't. 
I don't know how much I pray for the second coming of Eli Manning. Like, let's be real. <laughs> you know, Eli, awesome. Mm. Eli, thank you, right? Mm. But look did at some of the things. Did you ever make a move for Eli? Nah, man, he should have called me. He's right in Hoboken. <laughs> right, happy, but right. I always mess with NFL contracts. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I just don't like putting somebody as a second coming of blank, right? The league yeah. changes every single year. Right. And quarterbacks, bro, they're a throw-up, man. Mm. This kid went to UNC. What What other – no, he went to Duke. Yeah. What other quarterback, what other players came out of Duke and actually stuck it out in the league to be a big name? Not a quarterback. It's not many. Not many. There's I mean, some other, other it positions. It might be a running back. It might be something. You know what I mean? Mm. And Duke is a late comer. I was an ACC at UVA. Mm. Um, and no disrespect to Duke. However – he, he he has talent. They're giving him one more year because mm. he has that NFL oh, now, too. That's mm. different. Put him a different quarterback coach, see what happens. He has pops of okay. He has pops of g- good, good. Mm. He has pops of okay to good. If you're going to be great, mm. I don't know. Now you're rocking like Mahomes. That's different. You, you say the league changes everywhere, every year. I'm sorry. You say the league changes every year. Every year. Um. The the running back position is devalued, right? Like, they don't really respect running backs right now because they just think you can get them a dime a dozen. However, you do have an elite running back, even though he, he was off injured uh, last year. And I think I think the second injury when he rolled his ankle, that was just some goofy whatever, whatever. Everything else, he's been pretty healthy until he, he uh, tore his ACL or something like that. Um, do you think that Giants should keep him? Or do you think they should trade him and try to get some capital? Because it's, it's, I'm just curious. I feel like they're wasting his career. Like he, The league is tough. You can't have an elite running back with a whack line. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. You can't have an elite quarterback with a whack line. Right. The line wasn't doing their job. You give him opportunities to shine, he's going to. Coming right. off the injury, he can. The problem is the half-life for a running back in the league is what? Three, three and a half years? Yeah. Three years, right? He's at that mark. So you say, oh, deal him. Mm. But, like, some guys have been dealt, Leonard Fournette, mm. and they've, they've, they've shown out. Right? Well, I, think, I think You can't ever call it, right? So are you well, going to – and this is the problem. So the Giants brass at some point, the top brass at the point, has always held on because they are a um, – they are they supportive to, to who makes things happen. Okay. You know I mean, Tiki Barber, Eli Manning, okay. right? But, like, it's not in the same way where they make the, the – the right change right away to get things done. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you mentioned the comparison with Leonard Fournette. The, the thing about it is they managed him different. They know what they have, and I think the Giants don't do well, that. Well, I was going to say that. they put You put a lot of onus on one guy yeah. to to make things happen for right. this team that has a whack offense. You right. can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had some, 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 some weapons at every receiver this year, but who was supposed to show out didn't because mm-hmm. they didn't have time to get the long ball to him, right? right? In my opinion, fix the line. Fix the guys without the name. Mm-hmm. Barkley, Barkley's going to run no matter where he goes. And the right. worst thing is, and the Giants know that, you trade him somewhere and he, and he gathers up a yeah. whole bunch of yards somewhere to give him a chance with a line, yeah. what you going to be doing now? Shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. So you said keep him. Okay. Okay. What, what, do you, what do you think, besides the line, what do you think that, what do, uh, what's your overall view of everything they need to do? Because they got a draft coming up. I think they got plenty of draft picks this year, too. I think we did the right thing, which is revamp what's needed. Mm-hmm. And that started from the top. Mm-hmm. All right? GM, going. I, I just don't know about following the complete Bills outline. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening right now. I think we got three or four Bills players already. Yeah. Fine, the Bills have been rocking. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But remember the trend of the league this year, right? Mm-hmm. Not this year. The past three or four years. You have a bunch of young, hungry coaches. 
mm. that bring in a different mindset and that bring in a different aspect mm. and say, listen, we can change the game through, um, through different techniques, through using different uh, uh, measures of, of data, right? And Analytics. this all, exactly, and this all can change things. And the Giants have now bitten into that just enough, taking from the Bills organization, because the Bills don't have the market share. Mm. in the same state, bro, yeah. right? But the Bills do have the team. They've been rocking and rolling. Yeah. And that's what happens every year, because the year's going to change, the league's going to change again. Yeah. Chiefs just dealt uh, uh, Tyreek. Yeah. You know what I mean? With things like that, all those measurings, all those things change the outlook. You can never change, figure out what's going on. Right. You have another group of exciting quarterbacks coming out. Mm. But the Giants held on to Daniel Jones, in my opinion, because they say, give this guy another year to shine, draft somebody strong behind him, mm. right? Weigh that out. I think they wait for like either Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield to come. If they, once the once the price, I mean, Jimmy G is probably they just wait for the injury, so they will probably wait till the end of training camp for that. I think Baker Mayfield, they just wait for the Browns to be like, we're gonna eat some of this salary so that they can, um, we can trade him because that, that the Giants is the only logical place he can go. I mean, but then or the, uh, or Tampa Bay, but I just think those there's only two two places where he could go where he might be able to start. Or like you know, Tampa Bay, they just the the head coach just retired, but they're gonna have to get somebody to replace Tom Brady eventually. Um, and it's like he could go sit there for a year or two, depending on uh, how long Brady really wants to play. And then obviously the Giants, because they would he would give Daniel Jones some competition. So I mean, maybe okay. right, but like if the if Cleveland was so quick to deal Baker. What does it say about Baker? I, I think it, it has nothing. I, I, I feel I feel so ridiculous saying the name Baker that right. many times. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> but I think I think I think at the end of the day, I mean, he ball, he, I he's, mean, but like, he's serviceable. How does but, he feel at Deshaun Watson? Then? I just, I it just what I was going to say is like, despite all the other stuff with Deshaun Watson, you can't really discount it. But despite it, um. It's Deshaun Watson. What you, what you Deshaun going to do? Deshaun Watson can ball. Yeah. At the size and everything. So what does that say for Baker? That's the mm. third time I've seen it. That sounds ridiculous. What are his parents doing one day they're holding this? Oh, Baker. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, look at baby Baker. <laughs> well, maybe you and him could get a cooking show, you know? Yeah, bro. Now you want to sign. You know, you know he come to New York. Y'all get a little cooking show going. Make you Baker bake. Better, you going to make it. Make Baker bake. <laughs> make Baker bake. <laughs> He could make the desserts and you could make the entrees. There you it go. It is, bro. That's how good. Okay. So, you know, um, last question about the Giants. Where do you see them ending up in the NFC East this year? Oh, man. Let, we ain't even going to talk about the whole overall picture. Just like, where do you think they're going to finish? Optimistic. I got to be, right? Mm -hmm. Doing some changes. You know, the Eagles got Jalen. They, they solid with that. And they made the playoffs last year. Let's never bring the Eagles up in here again. <sighs> we actually call them the Feagles. Uh, and what, what do you call the Redskins? I mean, I mean. Oh, uh, the Commanders. Oh, the Commanders. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, no confused. shade. Oh, confused. No shade. Uh, um, let, I'm, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to get a Giants. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna put the Giants. Give me an honest, a, I'm putting honest the Giants, football. I'm putting the Giants above 500. Okay. All right. So, and, and, but two, you know, two you know, division. you know, in the division, that that gets you places. Yeah. All right. Over 500. Do they make the playoffs this year? Oh. Oh. So, so we gonna have that same tough in a, uh, that same tough divisional game. I mean, you know that the Cowboys is probably gonna be a L. Um, I, the rest of them. 
Yes. The Cowboys. The Cowboys are gonna be. A, the Cowboys are gonna be. A, uh, <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna play some early prop bet. Giants make the playoffs. What's the, no, I, no, no, no. I don't right. want. I, 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 we don't have to do prop bets on the playoffs because if they make it, I'm, I'm saying the division. Who wins the division? If oh, who? I, I don't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Cause they might make the playoffs because the NFC is just that's what I'm saying. wide open. It's a, it's a, it's a marble that's, shoot. That's, 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 you know? that's a wide open. So I'll take that prop bet. I do it on FanDuel. You know what I mean? And we'll see what plays out. Because right now, like, there's, there's nobody that's stable. First of all, I don't believe in the Eagles that mm-hmm. much. I mean, they might deal. They, they, they just make rash decisions. Okay. Yeah, you don't, you fire your Super Bowl winning coach just because he has a bad season. Two you kidding seasons. me? They uh, make rash decisions. Plus, they're they're kind of funky people. Like right. I, I, I want to say it's in public, but like, I don't, y'all just not not good people. Two Cowboys, well, you know, it's expecting y'all, right? We got a variable. We got a variable in the Giants. At least we're making big changes. Okay. That's and but you know, like remember what I said when we first asked him about this. Gotta be positive about the stuff they do. Okay. Two years ago, I was positive also. Okay. You know what I mean? What I don't like, I'm not. I, I don't like when you when you drive when you put Geno Smith in, in the league in in, in the rotation. Yeah. And that's why I hate. So that GM's gone. As he did things like that, mm-hmm. maybe we got something going. We cooking this year. We cooking this year. All right. We gonna switch gears one last time. Um. I'm gonna talk about this. I don't really wanna wanna talk about. I don't wanna go too hard with the slap situation. But you've been a married brother. Um, is there what perspective do you have on everything? Not, we don't have to go too deep um, into what happened. Everybody knows what happened. I'm I'm of the the mindset that um, whatever people saw, all sides are. I don't think there's a side. I think they're all sides are true. Like, you can feel every which way about it, and there's really no wrong yeah, to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, but, a, it's opinion-based. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. There was a... Uh, you, yeah, my mom always said, you can't you can't ask God to bless this mess. There's two wrongs that happened. Right. right? Chris Rock was wrong. He was wrong. So mm-hmm. picking a side is not going to make sense because it's wrong and wrong. Right. However, I'm about, I'm about composure. Right. All right? Um, especially on that stage. And... I think what I was going to mention was that, you know, Will kind of did it reverse. Mm-hmm. Like, he got, you know, fame, the Will, and Will Smith, you know what I mean? You can do that shit and, you know, commemorate with white people. And then he want to go and have a straight nigga moment on the Oscars, you know what I mean? <laughs> After he did 30 years of movies and 300 million and 400 million of films. Right. Okay? Fine, all good. Mm-hmm. You got to have more composure that. In my opinion, mm-hmm. you got more composure. I heard a lot of opinions. Oh, go defend. Go do this and that. Mm. But you're on the largest stage. That was broadcast on every continent, mm. right? If you feel your moxie is to go slap another black man mm. on national TV, make us look like clowns, have no composure, uh, I can't go along with that. Mm. Chris Rock, he's a comedian. They're going to joke. Mm. They've been making jokes about bad stuff for years. Anytime a comedian says, too early, too early, they're justifying their joke, mm. right? Am I justifying his? No. But somebody in my group chat said, it's alopecia, bro. They don't have a month nor a color in the football league, mm-hmm. all right? It's not that bad. Mm. Is that me? I'll take it. DM me. At Remarkably Better. So we're just going to do a little extra credit. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship real quick. Um, 
what is it like being an entrepreneur and being in a, a chef space where it, it, it can be, I guess, a little bit oversaturated at times? And then how's it been um, through the pandemic, you know, as this emerging, emerging through the uh, pandemic, you know, having to switch gears going from you talked about being a catering space to now being in a space where maybe there are not as many events going on to now you're opening a restaurant, cafeterias. Let's talk about it. All right, so to be an entrepreneur, you got to be crazy, all right? That's number one. All right. All right it ain't gotta, for everybody. It's not for everybody. You got to literally have um, guts, uh, balls. You got to have moxie. You got to have um, the, the, you got to be able to take the punches. You got to have a chin, a Chris Rock chin. Mm. You know I mean, like, you have to understand that you're going for something that you feel by yourself. Mm. And then you have to insinuate, push this idea onto other people Wilts not knowing how to do that and getting people to to believe into your idea, work for you, push it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And that is a, a whole fit of loneliness. You know what I mean? Like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Loneliness. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, you're working for yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're writing your own ideas down. You might be bouncing this off um, somebody who you know you can give, get good advice from. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're out there alone, right? You also have well, these... Let me cut in there. We, maybe you, you find in a circle of people to bounce your your, your your stuff off of, you know, create creatively. Like when I do podcasts or photography, sometimes I end up having to just want to keep stuff to myself, and it's hard to find want to express that to people because you know it's almost like when you think you have something valuable, you all, these days you're like, I, I got to give people an NDA before I start giving this idea away because somebody mess around and steal this idea. Do you find yourself in, in, in the chef space, um, entrepreneur and chef space, having to feel that guarded? I mean, I can see that, but for me, uh, what I was more talking about on a process of getting things done, okay. all the other parts that come in with, with business. Okay. I tell anybody who I mentor, mentorship is huge, I'm talking about it by the way. Mm-hmm. I tell anybody who I mentor, I talk to, who asks me for advice, right, that you know, in the midst of you easily writing a business plan, that, that literally takes you getting your thoughts out, writing your roadmap on, and then saying, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. That's a question to yourself. Because you know really fast if you're not or if you are. It comes out in the numbers, it comes out in the marketing plan, things like that. Mm-hmm. To go back around, I believe in mentorship because somebody's got to tell you that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't see that avenue for you. That's not a good look. But let me tell you what it is. I've been here. I've done this. Maybe you could do that. That's where you'll find money. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Get back in the game. Those little things right there, they matter. So you mentioned something. Again, I'm going to caveat because you said the mentorship on that piece. What's the importance of saying those those things to the right people? Because I remember I had an idea for something and I said it to a group of friends um, thinking that, you know, everybody was business-like. And they, I, I, I said it in front of the wrong group of people. And I would say it would massively delay me <laughs> to, to, to our point where I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Two yeah. to three mentors, all right? Yeah. One that's close to you but madly successful, you look up to them, it's always going to give you good advice and be honest with you, yeah. right? But that doesn't work. You need to do something else. Have This guy in my life told me one day, he said, I want you to treat when you work at home for yourself if you're an employee. Mm. For example, the work you did today, would you pay yourself? Yeah. I was like, mm. I was like, oh. Blew my mind because I'm like, well, if I had to pay myself an hourly salary, was I worth it? Mm. Right? Two, you need some old dude, right? It's wildly successful, 
doesn't need to talk to you, but has the time, is dedicated to you because he cares. Mm. He cares about younger people, he cares about who you are, mm. and seeing your vision through, right. right? Could be anybody, I don't know how you find them. I got like two or three of them, awesome dudes. Take you out, maybe for lunch, introduce you to people. This guy helps me get this done, this helps me get some Relationships, mm. helps you build those. Those two things will kind of like, it's almost like a pinball machine as you're bouncing back and forth, keep you right, right? Are they perfect? Nobody's perfect, but they are is out for your best interest. And then they're literally, they're willing to spend their time. It could be five, it could be 10, it could be 50, it could be half a day into making you a better entrepreneur because they've done it, right? That's the value of membership, mentorship. And I have, you know, a few people I've mentored and, you know, they, they, oh, you're my mentor, you're this and that or so-and-so. I tell them the exact same thing. How's your business plan? Try to put them, introduce them to some people. Try to, I don't know, Give them a meal someday because nobody cares about you because you work on your own. Nobody buys you nothing no more mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. That's the value of that. Goes back down to entrepreneurship where you got to keep plugging along. Mm. My mom said one day, nobody cares about your product like you will. Mm. Right. So every time you thinking about how you, you may be down, nobody's calling you. You don't have your client. You lost a job. Remember Geico. Geico shouts it from the hills all the time. Mm. All right. Geico, Geico, the gecko, this and that. We're the best. They're not the best insurance. Mm. They just say it the loudest. Mm. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Um, what, what has your experience been uh, over the last two to three years? <laughs> I mean, the pandemic is interesting because you literally saw people and businesses, people make up businesses, pivot to stay on their float, stay adjust, stay adjust to stay relevant, right? So one of my friends worked at a bank, commercial lender, et cetera, et cetera. He was doing his, the government loans for the bank. He's like, I don't want to do this, but this is what we're doing. My other friend, corporate litigation, you know, he does all of their processes for when they go to court. Mm -hmm. My man was selling menus, you know what I mean? Like, everybody pivoted to make something happen. But let's be real, as something went down, maybe going out to restaurants went down, mm. look how much uh, people sit at home watching Netflix went up. They got to eat. Chick-fil-A, they ate. Mm. All the delivery services, mm -hmm. they ate. They did well. So for me, I pivoted also. I changed my meals I used to do in-house to, uh, hey, you having your anniversary party for your wife, let's do package four or five course dinners to people you can drop off, you guys can get on Zoom, eat together. Mm. Then I did a Zoom dinner course where people cooked, put it together with me, ate all over to so many people. Then I did a Zoom cooking lesson, 280 people across the United States where I was teaching them how to do something in their house, mm -hmm. kind of brought them together for an organization, mm -hmm. all right? All different things like that were pivoting to try to stay relevant and to try to understand the world has not shut down. People still need important things. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out how to deliver it to them. Okay. And then I opened a restaurant because I'm crazy. <laughs> Boy, I bought it in low and I came out, you know, building that up. Hey. Knocked out the box. That's what you got to do. Bang. Right. So that has been the House of Boom Extra Credit Entrepreneurship segment with Chef Mark. Um, again, they can find you where? Get you a mentor. Okay. Get, get you a mentor. mentor. That's that's the that's the app. Get you a mentor. At, at remarkably <laughs> underscore better. I can't be your mentor. Get you a mentor. They're out there. Find somebody doing. Oh no, the DM is about to be lit, bro. So you you gonna have to at least take one or two people off from there. I'd be, I'd be uh, faking on Instagram. So, 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 yeah. Somebody somebody gonna hit you up to cook something. So maybe we'll start a mentorship group or something like that. There you we'll go. Some. Zoom, app, Zoom right. mentorship. Yeah. Uh, 1999 subscription. What, what, what is Pastor say? Uh, some help some, 
and somehow some mm. it won't be so each hard on some. I thought it was like each one. Nah, he changed that. Some help some, and some help some. It won't be so hard on some. Oh, okay. That's that's what it is. Do right you want to quote the? the, the oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they love that. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been the House of Bull. We out. Peace. We went to church together. Uh, I, don't, I don't know this guy. <laughs> <laughs>